the studio with James Mayo. It is December of 2018. We just got done uh, meeting up with my mom. What do you think of that? It was a good experience. I missed your mom. All okay. right. When did you meet Claire? December of 2008. <laughs> okay. And where were you when you did? <laughs> Sorry, Terrace I just realized this is a dumb question. Civic Center. Uh, what, Christmas wait, dance. It was a Christmas dance? Really? Yes. Was it Claire's first dance? Yes. Oh. She came with Katarina Hempstead. Oh. Black dress, black shoes, black fedora. How old were you? You can reference her. Like 15 or 16. 15 years old. Wait, when did you get your cell phone? How old were you? So I was 15. Okay, yeah, I was 15. So you were 15. I'm assuming you danced with her. Is that accurate? I did, actually. I taught a move to her oh. before the dance started. I remember that because I was with Jeremiah, your nephew, who was also trying to get that lady over there. She probably noticed that I was looking at her and decided to try to one-up me. Yeah. Because that's what... Maya would do back then. Yeah, yeah. Every time I saw a cute girl and said she was cute, he was like, all right, cool, I'm going to go talk to her. <laughs> I think it's good for you to have a friend like that. Yeah, fuck you, man. You taught her a move. Do you remember what the move was? It was something waltz. Okay. Very romantic. Did you follow up? How did you follow up? Very slowly, like I normally do. With all of your lovers? Talk. <laughs> let's, leave, let's leave him out of this. <laughs> I lucked out at one of the dances when... I asked Ben Record if she had a cell phone number. And he's like, no, she doesn't. So I was like, well, there goes that idea. And then the very next dance, someone said something about getting Claire's number. I was like, well, Claire doesn't have a number. And she said, yes, I do. And I was like, oh, can I have your number? <laughs> and and did it mean what I think it means? Like, hey, I, I'm interested in you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be asking for your phone number. It meant I'm a teenager wanting to get a pretty teenager's number. Okay. And she was tuned into that. So you're basically signaling that you're interested in her. Did you get that signal? Just nod or shake. A little bit. A little bit. A little? Okay. Okay. A bit. A bit. Yeah. And then I waited the appropriate amount of time before you actually text someone. You get their number, which Mm -hmm. is three days. Yes. And I texted her in three days. Okay. What did I say? You said, man, I'm still sore. Man, I'm still sore. That was my opening remark. That is so romantic. Uh, Isn't it? Well, you have to think. You send a text like that. Well, nowadays that's creepy because everyone's up to date on everything. But then it forced her to ask questions. It forced her to ask who this was. And I was like, oh, oops, I'm an idiot. This is James. Obviously, I knew what I was doing. So I didn't forget Didn't right. forget that. Aspect. Right. Um, you just didn't want to text. Hi, this is James. Yeah. How are you? You <coughs> are pretty. Me likey. Likey, likey. Yeah. No, you don't do that. That's That's dumb. I was actually talking to Ryan Johnson. I We were all talking out in the Fourier area, and Ryan was like, what the heck? You didn't answer my text. And, and uh, James was like, it's because she doesn't have a phone, dummy. And he was like, yes, she does. And he was like, oh, can I have your number? <laughs> <laughs> I was tickled. I, was, I liked how forward he was. I was yeah. like, okay, sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably not going to get anything from it, but you can have my number. It's yeah, fine. sure, yeah, that's no big deal. I'm yeah. Ready. Yeah, because we'll see how you do. Yeah, he liked me. He stalked me on Facebook and all those other things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you have a Facebook? Um, from that point on, we talked for every day 
for eight months straight. Eight months. Holy crap. I had no idea it was so long. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> and you loved every second. Oh, fuck yeah. Why James and not Ryan Johnson? Now you texted her. Mm-hmm. You struck up a conversation with her. Many a conversations. We talked about everything and anything. Okay, so was there any standout moment that where you switched from pop culture and gossip to intimate conversation? She said, I love you. Found out later she accidentally said it. <laughs> I know exactly when I started having feelings for him, too. Uh, he sang, hey there, Delilah, to me. <laughs> Sounds pretty corny to me. It is corny. It's super corny. I'm incredibly, okay, <laughs> I'm incredibly sentimental and r- ridiculous. And also, uh, music is one of my biggest passions in life. So connecting, <sighs> so singing to me, it, it killed me. It killed me dead. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. James Mayo, mm-hmm. if you're listening. Somewhere out there. <laughs> it's very ballsy to sing a song to a girl who mm-hmm. is not your girlfriend. He was phone. trying to get me to be his girlfriend. That's pretty bold. I love it. I love it. I'm glad you told me that now. Where were you back then? <laughs> okay. So you were talking on the phone. You were both on cell phones and yes. she said that she loved you. Mm-hmm. Did your parents know that you were talking to this girl? Mm-hmm. No. And would they have approved of you talking to this Catholic teenager? Oh, I mean, if they had known, no, not at all. So you were going behind your parents' back. Next question. (laughs) My next question is, if you were in a room with Adolf Hitler, Osama bin Laden, and Toby, but you only had two bullets. (laughs) You shoot Toby twice. James is very romantic. He was very good at wooing me. He knew exactly what to say. What did he say? That's exactly right. He would tell me things about his life. He'd talk about his little brother. He'd talk about his parents. We talked, honestly, we we talked about God a lot, too. I think the first thing that struck me about James was how strong he was in his convictions about really anything, but specifically about being a Christian. But he wasn't stuck in his ways. He made me feel like I was important, but what was right came before that. That was actually the real reason, at least that he told me, (laughs) that he quote-unquote broke up with me was because I was Catholic and he was Christian. And he was like, we can't, live a life like that you know it was nighttime which is usually when we talked when we were in bed and we snuck the phone and talked till like 3 a.m and he would have to get up at 5 a.m he basically told me he's like hey i i love you i'm in love with you but we have to end this because i can't see this going anywhere because of our religious differences basically he was saying i'm i'm putting god first even before us which really sucks but that's what's happening she says she loves you. You said, like a brother, right? I said, I love you too. And then you broke up with her. 
I mean, you weren't dating technically, so we weren't. So I didn't really break up. Okay, so how were you not dating at this point? You confessed your love to one another, but you weren't technically dating because you weren't allowed to date. I see. So neither of you were allowed to date, or you weren't allowed to date. Well, I know I wasn't allowed to date. Or you didn't know whether she was allowed to date. Well, I don't think her parents knew whether she was allowed to date or not. Okay, so they hadn't made up their mind. I mean, when you have like seventeen children towards the end, you get a little bit confused. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, did we give her the green light? Did we not give her the green light? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Were you allowed to date? Oh, no. No, she was not allowed to date. Well, that's so confusing because you, you had a boyfriend named Chase. Neither of you were allowed to date. Don't and you don't, still don't. count him as a boyfriend? We can't jump over to her, all right? We can't jump over to her. No, we're going to hash this out this, now. This is why she no. doesn't have a microphone. You had a boyfriend. When, when I have His name was Chase. You say he counts. <laughs> Why didn't you date Claire when she told you that she was in love with you? Because I wasn't allowed to date officially. Okay. But you weren't allowed to tell women that you love them and have secret conversations with them. So what was the delineation? Because I didn't have that specific conversation that I couldn't do that specific series of events. That's kind of heartbreaking. I mean, <laughs> oh, I was depressed. Oh, my gosh. Even my family noticed. My family didn't notice things like that. Uh. I mean, you know, I'm a happy, bubbly, lovey Claire without a care in the world. And I didn't want to eat. I was always sleeping. I didn't want to do anything. I was just moping around the house, house crying over everything. And uh, I remember... Man, he really had you, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. How did he do that? You started dating this this Mike guy. Mm-hmm. And that was going... You, you were having a good time? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a very healthy relationship. But, I mean, it was fun. And I remember nights like. Wasn't James? Sounds silly. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and say it. Go on. Just spit it out there. I'll edit Being down. my gooey little romantic teenager self, I would still have nights where I'd be like, I just want to be with James. Yeah. I never you, got over him. But when you were with James, you didn't. Did you do that with Chase? No. No. Huh. Never. Interesting. Yeah. What happened with Mike? Um, my parents found out what was going on. They said, you should really stop dating this guy. It's a horrible idea. And I saw their reasoning and I was like, okay, all right, we'll stop. We'll maybe get together again in a couple of years, but we'll, I'm going to stop dating him. And then there was one day he called me and he was like, I'm releasing you because I had sex with someone. So you can be free to live your life now. And I was like, I wasn't free to live my life before. But then it solid. It just solidified it for me. I was like, "Yeah, we're definitely not. <laughs> yeah, not not ever gonna be with this guy." <laughs> um, well, it was kind of going on during Black Ops too, because I remember you told me you're like, "What? What are you doing with this guy?" <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then I basically opened up to you and said, "I just want to be with James," but you know, and you were like, "Oh yeah, yeah." You had to talk with me about her. Yeah. I did, didn't I? I forgot about that. I, I, of course, remember all of this perfectly well. But if I didn't <laughs> theoretically have any recollection <laughs> well, whatsoever. You, you were like, wait, why? What's You did the usual Jared thing. You're like, why? What's so great about James? Tell me why, what. He's not perfect, trust me. And like yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah, I totally would. Yeah, I totally would. I'd be and like, then you tried to convince me to stay Catholic. Why did you get back together with Claire? (laughs) 
I don't know. He's throwing questions at me I wasn't expecting. Don't give me that. Oh, I told James you I was going to go after you. We're going to talk about your marriage. We're yeah, I thought we were going to talk life. about my marriage, not the things the, leading up to the, <laughs> the things that led up to the things that I, know. I got I, married. I, all of them are caught surprised by this, but I do a terrible thing. <sighs> okay. Black ops, being around her in black ops, seeing her interact with people. Okay, what just did you made me what? What what did you specifically like? Tell me the instance where you're like, damn. A party at Jake's house. I don't know which night. I don't know what was happened, but I was just watching her interact, and I realized I wanted her back. How exactly did you go about not dating her the second time? not dating her. I just di- decided to date her. Oh, so this was official. You stopped with the not dating stuff and you yes. just really dated her. Yeah. All this story is about the, the whole not dating thing. That was before Germany. And then after Germany, I came back and had my own job and moved out. It's kind of like, wait a minute. I don't need anyone's permission. So then I realized I could stop with the whole not dating, dating and actually date. Yeah. How much life she would bring into a room. That's something I wanted in my spouse. To bring joy, to make people happy. Yeah. And she would do that wherever she went. Then it astronomically stood out from other people. She still does. Mm hmm. Yes, she does. I know there's a reason behind every any kind of desire you have deep down, and Wait, maybe because growing up, not in kind of having no friends growing up, yeah, kind of created a desire to always have friends. You felt like you didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Yes. Is that because of homeschooling, or uh, that was because I was difficult to be around? I talked to you mm-hmm. about James. I gave you terrible advice. <laughs> I gave you the advice that you should A, stay Catholic, B, get over James, and C, listen to what I say. <laughs> is that is that accurate? I, yeah, fairly. You you basically you're you said you guys would be awesome and I'm rooting for you. And you should stay Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. How did you handle your parents? I went to the house one day. I was doing something. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go meet with uh, Claire's dad to uh, get his permission to date her. I just, just threw it in there. And they were kind of like, oh, okay. I didn't think, I don't think they really knew. I what just to... need to shake your hand right now. Let me shake your hand. Why? Well done, old boy. Well done. <laughs> Why would you feel the need to go talk to somebody's dad about dating? Because it's how I was raised and how she was raised. You were also raised to do as your parents tell you, and you didn't do that. Yeah. You strip the useless stuff away, you keep the, the stuff that works. I like that. So on a gut level... It was the way you were raised, mm-hmm. but also... It would put me on good terms with her family. It would start it would start things off on a good start. It would start things off on a good note. Okay. If that made sense. Which that I totally needed. Makes sense, the, yeah. Which I needed at this time. Okay. I texted him. We met at Starbucks. 
sat across from them. He obviously knew what the conversation was going to lead to. I said, um, I would like to ask for your permission to date your daughter. And he said, that's fine. Me and my wife are love you and are very impressed with you. And we were not impressed with her last choice of guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, neither was I. <laughs> we talked. Or no, we didn't end the conversation there. We obviously talked a little bit more. I don't know what about. But that was it. And you got along pretty well with him, right? Yes. All right. And then you started dating. Yep. And you held hands. Yep. And you kissed. And then you went to we didn't kiss leadership. You didn't kiss. We did not kiss. We didn't kiss till we got engaged. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you did. I forgot. I am sorry. Hmm. I'm a forgetful guy. Yeah, but you're getting on my case, so. Yeah, well, it's not my wife. Mm. I remember everything about my wife. Mm, I'm sure you do. <laughs> tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Um, we, we had gone to the fair together. He took me back to my car in front of Jake's house, and we were talking about life. It's, I don't remember how exactly it got brought up, but I was like, I'm still not over you. And uh, it was silent for a minute, and then he was like, oh, I'm not over you either. And then? He hugged me and kissed my cheek and put me in my car. And then he drove away. A little bit after that, he picked me up. We went to the park and walked around for a couple hours discussing how we were going to make this work. And it seemed pretty hopeless, but when he drove me home, I was basically in tears and he was almost in tears because we were trying to figure out how to be together, but we couldn't see past the obstacles. And uh, after he dropped me off, he sent me a text that said, basically, you know, unless God slams his fist down on us telling us no, I'm going to pursue you till the day you say I do. What is the obstacle? The obstacle was that I was a good little Catholic girl. Mm. It wasn't just I went to church every once in a while because I wanted to have the name of being Catholic. It was because I believed in it. It was my life. And if, which we believed, the man I married was going to be my spiritual leader and he didn't have the same beliefs as me, it doesn't really work. And if we're not united on a spiritual level, we're not lasting. We're not going anywhere. So you, well, 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 then what was the shape of the argument in light of that fact where you're like, you need to be Catholic, bro? Yeah. I was telling him, you need to be Catholic if you want to marry me. And he was saying, you need to be Protestant if you want to marry me. All right. What an impasse. No, but I need, I need to uh, officially give credit to Taylor Weller because... It was a conversation with him that was the turning point for me. Maybe not turning point, but the actual final decision. Yeah. Because I knew I didn't want to be Catholic anymore. I knew I didn't believe that that was the only way. But that was the point where I was terrified of losing my family and breaking their hearts and yeah. dying because their approval meant so much to me. Yeah. But um, I went to the Chicago house. Yeah. 
and Taylor and Becky were there hanging out and I went upstairs and I just started bawling and they were holding me and comforting me and asking me what was wrong. And I basically said, I like, I, I know what to do. I know what's right, but I can't do it. I'm going to lose my family. And Taylor was like, well, Claire, you know, James will be your family now. You're not losing anything. So, Rebecca, you were in the room with Taylor when he was talking to Claire about James. Uh, yes, I was. You and Claire were, like, not, not, not even casually dating. Like, you guys are serious about dating the guys you were dating. You were really serious about these guys. And um, they were both Protestants, so. Well, I think both of us, at least what I had in mind, was yeah. that we were going to change our boyfriend's mind yeah. Yeah. and they would be Catholic for us. Uh, I could, I could definitely see the temptation. Mm-hmm. And I believe I had that, um, a similar conversation with Claire before. I can't really recall the time, but so you guys I, had a plan. Um, uh, kind of not so much said, but I know we both were like frustrated with our boyfriends that, um, they both refused to become Catholic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that they didn't either. You guys were a couple of hotties, and I was like, oh, okay, they could, you know, maybe. Maybe look over to Catholicism. I don't know. Um, So I remember Taylor said along the lines that, uh, you know, just straight up telling Claire, you're not going to go to hell. James is good for you, and James is a godly man. And, um, you know, he he did bring up the lines that she is going to have to choose which family. And uh, I remember just sitting there boiling because <laughs> I, I eventually in the end like I remember Claire like when it finally dawned on her like because um, she was crying but she like stopped crying and like light came to her face and she made that decision in that moment that she was going to choose James and uh, I remember like boiling because I was like ah lost another Catholic sister <laughs> where does this leave me I have no one in my corner <laughs> And I eventually would have to make that own decision for myself, but it comes down to, you know, uh, Jesus did die for us. And, you know, whether we're uh, Catholic or, or not, I mean, as long as we believe Jesus died for our sins, you know, we weren't condemned to hell based on our religion background. Honestly, I kind of just knew I was going to marry her. And then one day I just, I just decided to do it. Banquet of Balls around the corner. Like, I, I know you want something profound and, like, it was at this great moment. But literally, I was driving by Fred Meyer, and I said, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to go look at a ring. All right. Now, tell me the story about asking her to marry you. Ooh, I did that. I, I planned that in a couple of days, and that was – and it, it worked out perfect. All right. <clears> you got to tell it. You got to tell it, man. All right, uh, banquet and ball, three-day event. I get off work late, show up there late. I told you I was going to propose to her. You were excited. I also told you I was going to go talk to her dad, and you were like, well, are you going to ask for permission or for a blessing? I was like, uh, I haven't decided yet. And you said, well, if you ask for permission, he says no, then you shouldn't marry her. But if he asks for his blessing and he says no, eh, you can still marry her. 
And now you're the entire Burger Clan knows. <clears throat> oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah, it's your fault. Do you think the burgers actually listen to you? Let's just be real, real here. <laughs> no, they're never going to make it this far. <laughs> it is December. Get out of my car. Driving the champagne. Slightly beat up. Camry. It is the banquet and ball. During the first half of the morning, the young men have been working on their dueling and on their dance cards. I'm going to walk away from the women now. It's a steep grade and there is ice. Wow. <laughs> it's probably above freezing, but it doesn't feel like it. All right, I'm going to go into the lodge. Set for dance one. last dance. So in the past, or at least on every other dance that you've done for this dance card, uh, you're trying to make the best dance card possible for the young women. Agreed? And that is what we are striving for on every single dance except the last dance. I'm going to restate that. On the last dance, you're not trying to honor the women. You're doing that on every other dance. Now, in order for you to understand the value on this, I'll go ahead and tell a story. Once upon a time, there was a banquet and ball. And the most important dance was the last dance, even though every woman who was on the wall, except two, have never be, had never been to a banquet and ball. They'd never even touched a dance card. And when they got their hands on the dance card, all the women flipped to the back to see who the last dance was. And the last dance was blank. And they said, oh dear who had never held a dance card before. And they looked over at the other girl's dance card to see if theirs was blank and maybe they were the only ones. And I was sitting there watching it happen and joy sprung up in my heart. <laughs> there is a romance in the last dance that cannot be denied. And so what we have chosen to do is we've chosen to take the last dance and honor men with it. Now, I could go on for some time about the problems of romance overriding your experience of the banquet and ball and her experience of the banquet and ball. It becomes a matchmaking exercise, and it is not possible to do it well. 
So what we can do instead and what we choose to do, which is even better, is honor the men. The man who is stewarding the dance card and has observed all of these men interacting will make a point of, of picking out men that need to be honored because they behaved well. You remember when you were dueling and you saw some guys or maybe you had an interaction with a guy and you're like, he called the rule on himself. He didn't have to. That was the right thing to do. I choose to honor you. It is simultaneously true that there are men here you don't know and have not had an experience of. Do not honor them with the last dance by default. Now it's possible that you have checked out and you weren't paying attention to the other guys. Or it's possible that you're not doing a very good job with your dance card. That is the risk that we always take. Gentlemen, choose another gentleman to honor. So you left the Nile Valley, you drove down to Union Gap. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that went. Mm. Uh, showed up at the house. They're having some kind of family party like they're always having. It's fantastic. So we're walking from the parents' house to Jeff's house, their son, right there. Which is next door. Next door, yeah. And I pull him aside, and I was like, uh, I, was, I would like to ask for your blessing in marrying your daughter. And he laughed, and he kind of looked at me. He's like, I can't. You're not Catholic. And that that was that, and that was, he gave his long explanation, <clears throat> and then, and then your mom came out, and joined in the conversation about how they love me, they think I'm amazing, think I'm perfect for her, but uh, I'm not Catholic, and that's when I let him know. I was like, I was asking for your blessing, not your permission, <laughs> so I'm still gonna marry her. And they were like, okay. They said okay. Well, they were like, there's not. Well, I, Mr. Mr. Burgers, at the Dwayne asked, and then there's nothing I can do to change your mind, is there? I was like, nope. All right, all right. So, Cassie, Burger. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> How are you related to Claire? Claire is my aunt. Uh, my dad is the oldest of seven, and she is the youngest. Of seven. Of seven. Didn't James come along and say, hey, I just heads up, I'm going to pop the question? Yeah, he came over one night. It was a Sunday, so all our family was there. And he pulled my grandpa outside to ask him for his blessing. My grandpa promptly said no. Yeah. James walked back inside, walked out the door and said, well, it's going to happen, and just left. So there's five sets of aunt and uncles, and they each have five plus kids. So I'm thinking like 70, 80 people. Like our house is filled. Uh-huh. It's yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the parents say no. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then I got ready. Told Brian my plan. Gave him the ring to hide somewhere. I told him. Brian Ford. Brian Ford, registered nurse forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I let most of the guys know what was going to happen. 
a gentleman there did not like the fact that I was going to propose to her. Why? Why? Well, what was the problem? Is it because you weren't Catholic? Uh, because his reasoning was that it is bad timing, that she's going to want to spend the rest of the evening with you, not go back to... And kind of save her the bank on a ball. Yeah. Because you're basically hijacking the bank on a ball with a proposal of marriage. Uh, well, at least for he, her. Sure. Yeah. Sure? I don't know. His reasoning was very weird, and he was very much against it. Okay. <sighs> Did he have a crush on Claire? Probably. Right. But everybody has a crush on Claire, or you, you, you're making faces at me. Well, I mean, I'm just, this be real, real here. <laughs> Everyone, everyone had a crush on Claire. We were looked at all my groomsmen. Everyone had tried to make a move on her except for Oren. And I had a lot of groomsmen. I'm married to her for six years, and people are still trying to get her. Landon, we should insert for the benefit of, of humanity and posterity that Landon did not make a move on Claire. The dueling is complicated, and in order for this part of the story to make sense, I need to take a moment to explain an element of the dueling. Throughout the weekend, the men have had the privilege and responsibility to steward a dance card. Part of that ceremony involved a dueling for the dance card. So how that worked was if I were to duel James for a dance card, I would find another man and I would ask him to be my second, and I would explain that I would be challenging James Mayo. If for any reason I am incapable of carrying out the battle, the duel, then my second would step forward and handle the conflict for me. So okay, so this is like really handy. Like this is this is good information. You're you you had informed the guys. What what happened after that? Daniel Heed made a uh, remark to me when I told him that he wanted to be my second. He wanted to back me up. He wanted to be the guy to back me up. Okay. So I told him about this this individual because uh-huh. um, this individual made a comment about trying to stop it. He made a comment to that. I don't remember what the comment was specifically, yeah. but he, it was the intentions were like there. And so I told Daniel Heed what was going on. So Daniel Heed put himself in front of me when we were mar- waltzing out. And uh, between me and this individual, and it was really funny because then this individual... Did you have the last dance with Claire? I did. How the hell did you pull that off? Who had your card that year? I worked it out. I want to say Jake got the card for me. I'm going to take a second, and I'm going to explain how the last dance plays out. The evening has come to an end. The dance floor is quiet. No one is there. The men are looking across the room at the women. And then, very slowly, the men begin to solidify. The anticipation grows, and eventually, one man will step out onto the dance floor. He'll usually take one or two steps. And as if by a signal, Men begin to move like a slowly breaking wave. Ooh. 
Well, this individual did approach me and Claire as we're walking out, and Daniel Heed stepped in. All right. Tell this, us in order. This is why I maintain that the syndicate is Neverland. At Michael one Jackson. banquet and ball, um, James Mayo came up to me and he told me that he was about to propose to Claire. At the banquet and ball. At the banquet and ball, directly following it, like as the women were being ushered to the limousine. And in a flight of whimsy, which was also serious, because that's how the banquet and ball is. It's, it's both fantastic and serious at the same time. I said, excellent, I'm very excited for you. I stand ready to act as your second if you need me. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, I support you marrying Claire. I support you proposing to her. And if there are any challenges, I stand ready to defend you, to defend you both. And it was an absurd thing to say, as I said. And he went it was off. A, it was a romantic thing to say. And then uh, at another break, he came up and he was visibly shaken. And he said, are you still ready to act as my second? And I said, yes, of course. And he said, because and, uh, he, and I was a little bit like, wait a minute. Like, what, 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 did, what did I, I just do? <laughs> right. And he said, uh, I have received a challenge. And I said, where does the challenge come from? And he said, he said, it's from this man who found out that I'm proposing and he doesn't want me to do it. And I said, okay, what are his reasons? And he said, he feels like it breaks Banquetable. And I said, okay, I disagree with him completely. I think that it is part and parcel of Banquetable and I will, I will assist you. And so he called upon me to be his second at the Banquetable. And um, I saw that person leveraging to try and um, break up James and Claire repeatedly, and I basically just surreptitiously during the banquet and ball. Yes. So you're not talking about trying to drag, break them up as a marriage as a no, dating no. Couple. During during the ball, he he kept trying to get close to to pull them away from each other, and and I noticed this most prominently at the after the last dance, we all queued up to go out. Uh, so I'm not trying to paint him as a mustachioed or a mustache twirling villain in a top hat. No, this was somebody who felt like the banquet and ball was bigger th and that it would suffer if there was a proposal, and I disagreed with him. Yeah. And so I basically just kept inserting myself between him, and so, which I think was completely right, and if he was right, and if he honestly believed that it was going to break it, then he would have to go through me to, to, to stop it, or he would have to find another route, and he didn't ultimately find another route, and so I basically just ran interference to use less romantic language, I ran interference between him and James and Claire for that walk. All right, so um, so the attempt to hijack failed. Basically, you made it all the way through the banquet and ball. You make it to the end of the banquet and ball, and the last dance of the banquet and ball, the person who is the, the last dance for the banquet and ball escorts the girl out to the limousines. Yes. So I walked her through the door, said, give me one moment, and walked over to a planter to the left where I where the ring was hidden. Gotcha. Grabbed the ring, walked back over to her. She was I love the oblivious the how, how oblivious my wife can be. Um she still she looked at the ring and she still was looking at me, looking at the ring, looking at me like <laughs> like like, oh, this is such a perfect night. It didn't really register in her head that I was about to propose to her. Yeah, okay. So last dance. He escorted me. Um, I think we were waiting for the limos because I remember sitting inside for a while, but, you know, being all floating on air because, you know, it's the banquet ball. And I just had my last dance with the love of my life. 
And then we go out the doors and he stops me. He's like, wait a minute, please. Gets the little black box, walks over. Now, the reason I was so oblivious to this until he opened it was because I thought it was one of those controllers that worked the camera because we had that at dances. Because I was his second, I was in charge of protecting that moment, or at least that's how I viewed my responsibility. So I, um, there was a loud, obnoxious woman who was um, making some very loud and obnoxious jokes and trying to break the moment that Claire and James had. So I grabbed a couple of men and I formed a wall between us and her, and we just stared at her because it was still banquet a ball. The rules still apply. You can't just... You, the, even though it was her first banquet wall, you can't just break it like that. And so we just created a physical wall, and we stared at her. And we weren't hostile in any way. It was still banquet a ball. You just looked at her, staring yeah. her down kind of sounds. Yeah, <laughs> and just staring at her with almost no expression, like, okay, that is what you're doing. Fair enough. Like, you can do that. As we stood there, I think it was at that time three men. We, it became a thing, and so the men just formed a, a long column of men between this one lady and James and Claire, and I think at one point our backs were turned and we were facing James and Claire. And so that young lady was shut out while, while everything was going on. It was a pretty excellent moment for James and Claire. It was a, a, it was a moment where they were surrounded and also completely alone. Claire. Jared, I can't remember. Was the last dance, was that the first time we used Once Upon a December? I think it was. And that was our last dance before he asked me to marry him. Oh, my gosh. Our story is so romantic. <laughs> And he gets down on one knee, and that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, this is happening. And, of course, I bawled. Correct. I'm going to tell you about my favorite part. We had told each other we weren't going to kiss until the altar, until we got married. So when James asked me to marry him, and I said yes, he jumped up. And went in for a kiss. And instinctively, I turned my head because we weren't kissing. And after I turned my head, he grabbed my chin and pulled me back towards him and kissed me. And I still vividly remember everything about that first kiss. <laughs> and then everything else is kind of a blur from there. And, and James and Claire, or, you know, Claire laughed and James went back about his duties and the, the obnoxious young lady eventually was escorted into a limousine and off she went. And I was flabbergasted that this flight of whimsy had resulted in this thing. And so I turned to a young man and I said, in, in what world would somebody propose and another individual would offer themselves as a second, have it be accepted, and then have to do something? Like, what, where, where am I? What is this? But my question was actually very concise. My question was, in what world would this happen? Uh -huh. And he said, in a world where honor means something. I got down on one knee. I presented the ring. And I asked her to marry me. And she said no. you have anything else you want to say? No, I think you covered it, man.
so that is that to my point that the banquet and ball and the syndicate is Neverland and the rest of the world isn't. Comest thou at me, bro? Dark and sinister man. 